today as we begin this time of what is normally the preaching time, and then we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper, I'm going to do something that I've never done before this week and next week. And I will explain that in a couple moments. But first I want to review real quickly. For the last three months, we have been studying worship. Three and a half months, really. We started in the middle of November. We have looked at what worship was, what worship is, what worship must be. We started in November the 13th. We dove into Genesis chapter 22. We spent a couple of weeks there. We looked at all of the different things that God said needed to happen as Abraham went and worshiped with his son. We looked at, at, at those, those things that he said, these are the things you need to do to worship. We, we learned about worship being in response to the revelation that God has given us. We learned that worship must be in obedience to what it is that God has laid out, that worship must be about him and not about us. We pondered the form of worship, the place of worship, the style of worship, and we, we came to the conclusion that worship is about the heart. Once we came to grips with the fact that it was about the heart, then we went into our next couple of messages that, that said, if it's the heart, then we maybe need to take a look at our heart and maybe clean some things up. We looked at that message that we entitled Junkyard Demolition for a couple weeks. Spiritual medicine. Hey, there may be some things you need to get rid of. There may be some cleaning up you need to do. And you might need to take some medicine once in a while that kind of goes down a little harshly, but, oh, it's so good for you. If we're going to be the kind of people that worship biblically. We looked at why worship was so good sometimes. And why worship is so hard sometimes. And why worship can be so average sometimes. We were challenged to consider our approach to worship during what I called the ungodly hour. Saturday night into Sunday morning, getting ready to come to this particular place. We then took a five-week journey through that topic of how to rightly receive the Word of God. How to get ready for the Word of God, what to do before, what to do during, what to do after. How do I apply it? What do I do with it? What is the most effective way to receive the Word of God so that it's really doing what it needs to be doing, because after all, that is an act of worship. So I should be doing it in the right way. Through all of those messages, including the ones that we did around Thanksgiving and Christmas, our focus was constantly on worship, on looking at God, seeing God, pouring into my relationship with Him, getting rid of some things that are about me so that it would be about God, that he would increase, that I would decrease, that worship would increase, that it would improve, that it would deepen, that it just wouldn't be about what I do here for an hour or so a week, but it would be in the whole of my life that I worship regularly, daily, and oftentimes throughout the day. I think that it's one of the most important little series we've ever done that I have ever preached about. So back to the thing that I've never done before that I'm going to start doing this week and next week, and that is this. I'm going to share with you this week and next week the first two messages I shared with you when we started this series back in November. It won't be word for word, but it'll be concept for concept. So if you take good notes, 
drag them out. It's what I'm going to say again, all right? And I've never done that before, but I'm going to do it for the next couple of weeks because I think it's so important that we go back and say, okay, we've looked at all of these things about worship. Let's go back and let's be reminded. And so that's what we're going to do for the next couple of weeks. We're going to be reminded. We're going to remember that we need to come near again still and always. But before we get to the worship through the preached word, we're going to worship this morning through the Lord's Supper. So I'm going to ask you if you would, if you have your Bibles open, close them or put them aside. You know, unless you reflect during the time, you can get them back then. I want to ask you to take your hymnal and, and open it up to hymn number four, 562. 562. I want to take you to a point where we see Jesus and then we want to do the Lord's Supper. So go ahead and do what you normally do with the lights, Darnell, um, as we do this. So it's just the cross. Thank you. Listen to these words. Don't do the hymnals yet. You'll need that in just a moment. First, listen to these words of Scripture. Just listen, please. Hebrews 9. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation. And not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood, he entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. 1 Peter 1 says this, Therefore prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to your former lust, which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. If you address as Father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold, from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood, as of a lamb, unblemished, spotless, the blood of Christ. Paul, in instructing us about the Lord's Supper, said, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in that night in which he was betrayed, 
took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup, also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing he is to eat of the bread and drink of that cup so that you would not be judged. So we continue our time of worship, but now in the preaching of the Word of God. It has been said that there is nothing so rich, that there is no pleasure, so pure, none so hallowing in their influences and constant in their supply as that which results from the time of true spiritual worship of God. It is pleasant as the cool water brooks are to a thirsty person, so pleasant it will be to us when we approach the living God. Worship. To bow down. To show reverence. To pay worth. To, re to declare you are worthy. Do you remember the illustration? It was called Ham Henet Met. When I was a missionary in Paraguay, a Micah Indian came named Rafael, and he came and he sat on my porch, and I went to see what he wanted, and his response was simply, Ham Hanek Met. I asked what I could do for him, but the answer was the same. I don't want anything. I just want to come near. I understood what he was saying, but not its significance. A veteran missionary explained that Raphael was honoring me. He only wanted to sit on my porch. He found satisfaction and pleasure simply by being near. What brings you here, my child, says the Lord? Can we say, Hem, Henet, Met? I just want to be close to you, God. Worship. To come near simply because he is God. To spend time with him simply because he is God. Worship is the occupation of the heart, we said over and over again. Not with its needs or even with its blessings, but simply with God himself. As we've gone through this study of worship, I, I can tell you that I am at my best when I am simply with God. Just to be with God. It's a good thing. Just to be filled with Him. Just to be close to Him. Just to worship Him. But boy, there's so much that takes that away from us, isn't there? Our pride and our arrogance, our time our schedule, our sin, our projects, priorities that are all out of whack.
Worship is simply the occupation of the heart. Not with its needs or even with its blessings, but simply with God himself. If we could just get to that point. That definition, you see, that's why worship is indeed so wonderful in singing. When we gather together to do some unique things, meditating, it, it works because that's worship. And that's why so many other activities can destroy it, is because that's what it is. So many things take us away from worship. So many things take us away from our heart occupation. This is such a big deal with believers. So we want to look at some verses this morning that help us get to where we need to be when it comes to just being with him and worshiping. Hebrews chapter 13 we will do some introductory things, and then next week we'll be in Genesis chapter 22. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 9, and the writer of Hebrews says this, Do not be carried away by varied and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods through which those who were so occupied were not benefited. The part of the verse that's important is that first part. Do not be carried away by varied and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by stuff. By grace, just being with God. I mean, honestly, let's be, let's, let's just, let's be honest with ourselves. Let's be honest with what goes on. There are times, and maybe this morning is an illustration of it, when, when, when our hand is forced and we find that I really am worshiping. I, yeah, I saw Jesus. I, I was just with him and celebrating him, and I liked it. It was a pretty cool thing. That's what this is talking about in Hebrews. It's good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. We need to meditate. We looked at that in depth when we did our series. We need to focus in on God. Hopefully you did some of that this morning as the elements were being passed. The verb means to growl, to groan, to mutter, to speak, to ponder. It's to have something there constantly. Biblical meditation, if you recall, and this is an important thing that we remember, biblical meditation is not the emptying of one's mind and allowing other things just to flow in. Biblical meditation is taking a truth that we find in Scripture about our God, and it is making that thing the focus of our thoughts. It is taking God and His character Focusing on those things. That's what meditation is. That's biblical meditation. It's pondering and considering and thinking upon those things that God has laid out for us. Joshua 1.9. Let's look at a couple of verses about that because it's such an important thing that we need to be meditating if we're going to worship properly. 
if we're going to worship beyond what we call the worship service, if we're going to worship beyond anything that we would consider worship in our individual lives when we do something, if we're going to worship as the Bible lays out, which is the idea of being with him regularly, honoring him, spending time with him, just sitting with him because we love him, then meditation must be a part of our life. That's why we do scripture memory. Because you can't meditate on that if you don't know. Joshua 1, 8 and 9, you know these verses. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written, for then you will make your way prosperous, then you will have success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That is a truth. That is a promise. That is a fact. But if you're meditating upon his word, and meditation is a part of your life and your worship, you will be celebrating the fact that he is with you wherever you go. You'll like it. Because you are where you need to be mentally and spiritually as the Lord is with you in his presence. We need to meditate. You need to take one of those verses that you've memorized or one that you're working on memorizing or one that you have memorized from the past. You need to take a, a verse, a thought, an idea, a concept from your Bible reading before you start your day or from something you heard on the radio, whatever it may be. You need to take that with you and that needs to go with you throughout your day. Do not let this book of the law leave your mouth, leave your mind, leave your heart. Meditate upon it. Talk to the Lord we talked about that at, in, in depth. That it is that constant. I'm always with him. I'm always talking to him. I'm always recognizing him. There he is. And I love him. And I'm spending time with him. Psalm chapter 1. Psalm 1. If I'm going to worship, if I'm going to be in his presence, there's some cautionary things that need to go on in my life. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of the sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scoffers. This is a two-step process. Step one is there's certain things I'm not going to do. Certain things I'm not going to meditate upon. Certain things I'm not going to participate in. Certain places I'm not going to hang out. And that allows then my delight to be in the law of the Lord that I'm going to meditate upon day and night. And when I do that, I find that I'm like that tree that is firmly planted by the streams of water. And I am finding that I am my life is much what Joshua said. There is success in it because I am where I need to be spiritually. I am following the Lord. And in that, there is great joy for the believer.
Psalm 1 especially lays out for us very clearly that if you practice what it says there rather than the opposite of what it says, you will find joy. The joy of the Lord will be yours. If you fail to practice these couple of things in Psalm 1, you will find your life full of angst and difficulty and joy will be far away. And worship will be unheard of in your life. We cry out sometimes when we're frustrated or when things aren't going right. Lord, you're just, you don't seem to be there. What's the problem? The problem could be right here. The problem could be that we're walking in the counsel of the wicked, we're standing in the path of sinners, and we're sitting in the seat of scoffers, and we're not meditating upon his day, on his word day or night, and we're thinking, Lord, what's the problem? And he says, the problem is you're not doing what I've told you to do. You're not doing the things that need to be done so that this can happen next. We need to practice these things so that worship is a part of our life. Psalm 19. Verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Lord, that I am thinking upon the right things, that I am saying the right things, but that is only going to happen if you're putting the right things in. That is only going to happen if you're putting the right things in. You have to decide what you're putting in. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4. And let's look at this great list of things that ought to be being put in regularly. I want to walk through this great verse in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. We want to be reminded of all the, the significance and importance that it has in this thing. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whether it's honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Well, here you go. That's what I need to dwell on. I need to dwell on those things. That's what I need to meditate upon. I need to meditate on those things. It starts off by saying whatever, and that is a word that is plural in the Greek. Several things could be included under each one of these headings. Whatever is true, as opposed to that which is dishonest, that which are lies, that which are unreliable things. Stop focusing on that that is dishonest. Stop focusing on that which is unreliable. Stop focusing on that which is dishonorable. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, that which is worthy of respect and noble. So we live in this incredible age, incredible age, information overload age. You know what we need on our devices? We need filters. 
We need a filter that says, only that which is pure I can read. Only that which is honorable. And I'm not thinking about outrageous filth that you didn't be embarrassed about today. I'm thinking about the news that comes over constantly. I'm thinking about all of the stuff that just is going on around the world. You don't need it. And it's very possible that it is stopping you from worshiping. Why? Because you join their rants. You join their attitudes. We need to check it. True and honorable. Whatever is right, the Bible says. A conformity to God's standard. The Greek word can also be translated righteous. Whatever is righteous. That that God says is holy and pure and worthwhile. Whatever is pure, that is innocent, free from sin, it's wholesome. Whatever is lovely, that thing which is pleasing or agreeable. Whatever is of good repute or report, that thing which has a good report, something that's commendable, something that is worthwhile and exciting and worth repeating, that which is excellence, full of moral goodness, that which is beyond good or beyond the, the norm. It's excellent. And I'm excited about dwelling in that. Whatever is worthy of praise, worthy of lifting, being lifted up and telling others about. The New Living Translation says this. Uh, uh, it translates Philippians 4.8 this way. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. If we're going to be men and women, teenagers, children who worship, we have got to make sure that this is a part of our life, that we are meditating upon that that is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and Good report and excellent and worthy of praise. We've got to dwell on those things, not on the other thing. You guys remember when I preached through this, and I wasn't going to do this, but why not? You remember when I was preaching through this that Cynthia and I, you know, learned some principles, and, and every once in a while she looks at me. Do you say, remember what I did? She looks at me when we were on this sermon and she does something. Does anybody remember? And it's always dangerous when you say this to people because, you know, I'm thinking, were you there? Do you care? Do you remember? It's the old. Life-sucking stuff. That's what you're into right now. Stop it. We need to be in life-affirming stuff rather than that. So you guys can just do that. I mean, that could be a norm of our homes. Couldn't it? We just look at our spouses every once in a while. And we wouldn't have to say anything else. We'd just go about our, our, do, our thing then. Stop it. The Lord doesn't want us involved in life-sucking things. He wants us in, involved in life, building up things, life edifying things. And we live in a world where we have to filter that constantly. And I would encourage you to do that. This list, Philippians 4.8, is about being occupied with God and the things that God says are worthwhile. That will bring about a life of worship for you. Now, there are some times when we are, forced, we are forced to deal with some things, that we, we have these things, and, 
and, and our hearts, are, 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 we have to deal with some things that are completely opposite of that. You know what? When you're done with that, take the time to talk to the Lord about, Lord, cleanse me about, from that right now. I, I need to move on from that. I had to spend a little time there. I, I was obligated. I had to because of my job or other things. I, just life happens like that sometimes. But Lord, as I, as I continue my day now, I want to move beyond that. I don't want to think on that. I don't want to dwell on that. Lord, take me beyond that. Use prayer to ask the Lord to help you be thinking how you need to be thinking so that you can worship on a regular basis as we deal with life because it's going to happen on a regular basis. So the question is, and this is really the question that you need to think about throughout the week, is what is your heart occupied with? What is your heart occupied with? Because the Bible says that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What is your life occupied with? 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 15, take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them. So your progress will be evident to all. Give complete attention to. Meditate on these things. Immerse yourself in these things. Take pains. Make sure that this is what you're involved in. These are the things that matter. This is the direction I'm going to go. I want to make sure that that's what I do. In Exodus chapter 3, God was revealing himself to Moses through the burning bush, and Moses came to him and said, Lord, who do I tell him sent me? Jesus, when he was dealing with the folks in John chapter 8, and they were challenging about who he was, he said, before Abraham was, I am. God said to Moses, tell them that I am that I am has sent you. Your mind this week needs to be occupied with the great I am. The self-existent one. The God who is way beyond what you can really get a grip on. And that's a good thing. Would you want to worship a God that you could put in a box? That would be kind of weird, wouldn't it? It's the great I am. Focus on him this week. Worship him. And remember that he's with you wherever you go. Wherever you go. I'm going to, we're going to sing our song and then I'm going to come back. I'm going to end the service with what I was going to read here to end this message with. We're going to sing first and then I'll, I'll come up when we're done singing and I'll do this, this last passage of scripture for us. Where's your heart? What are you thinking about? What are you focusing on? We're going to sing Jesus is all the world to me, a really good song for what we've been talking about. And then we're going to close our service with me reading a passage of scripture. So come on up and let's do that. And then when you're done, I'll come back up and, and close up the service, okay? Page number 512, Jesus is all the world to me. Let's all stand. Page 512. Amen. Mm -hmm. 
Psalm 139, you can either follow along, listen, whatever. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all of my ways. Even before there's a word on my tongue, behold, oh, Lord, you know it. You've enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain to it. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest parts of the sea, even there, your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me become night, even the darkness is not dark to you. And the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. You formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's wombs. I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. Frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. 
How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I am awakened, I am still with you. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Oh, Lord, gracious God, bless these folks. Encourage them. Fill them with yourself. May worship be truly ours this week as we understand who you are and how magnificent you are in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.